Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Wednesday to all of you and yours. It's Allman in the morning, and it's Common Sense Radio. Uh, Jamie Allman here, pleased and privileged to be with you on this day. And uh, the Uniparty seems to be handling uh, this whole Iran thing and the attacks on our American heroes with a level of similarity and with ways that are not surprising at all to us. It seems like it's ineptitude more than anything else. Uh, we've got Anthony Blinken, who is standing out there and he basically announcing that we haven't seen this much danger in the Middle East since 1973. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's well, nice. First, I think it's very important to note that this is an incredibly volatile time in the Middle East. Um, I would argue that we've not seen a situation as as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973. Great. So they want to take us back there, huh? And again, you might say, well, no, he's just pointing out that it's uh, it's it's really super bad there. He's just pointing out that we've got a we've got a problem there. It's like, well, wait, wait, no, 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 no. This this isn't the response the the adequate response of a superpower of a peace through strength superpower for you just to basically throw up your hands and say basically right in front of everybody's faces that you are menaced uh, by the situation in the Middle East instead of in control of it that becomes a real problem. To see the administration standing up before the world the way Anthony Blinken did and basically announcing that, hey, you know, we're flummoxed. We haven't seen this since 1973. And we all know what ultimately happened. And he mentioned 73, interestingly enough, because we all know what happened ultimately as we led up to 1979 and then we led up to 1983 and the barracks bombing. And so it's almost like Blinken is proud, uh, is giving these Middle Eastern moods uh, a, a, a level of pride. Hey, congratulations. You, you haven't made it this crazy in the Middle East since 1973, you know, right before you took hostages. Right before you killed 200-plus Marines. Uh, I, and, and maybe I'm, I'm seeing this a little bit differently than, than, than you. Maybe I'm, I'm missing something here. Uh, and maybe I'm overreacting. But to me, 
to go on the world stage and announce that the Mooge basically runs the show is a real problem for me and doesn't give me comfort. On the other hand, on the other level there, you have the likes of Nikki Haley, who is so far uh, one of the louder voices uh, as it relates to the Republican Party. Uh, She's running for president, and we're getting a sense of how she might be able to handle this. We already know how a Donald Trump handled this kind of thing before. Uh, we, we all know how Trump did it, and, and what, we had one contractor killed, and Trump went out and iced Soleimani. So, so there was an immediate show of strength. But there's a difference between going around the world and catching up to these terrorist elements and actually going into a sovereign nation and assassinating its leaders. Then you start to get into uh, a true World War III situation. And apparently, Nikki Haley doesn't have any qualms about that. You're saying now's the time to hit Iran? Now's the time to hit their leaders. It's different. Don't go and bomb the country. What about their infrastructure? The infrastructure in Iraq and Syria. You start with that first. You do the sanctions and you take out a couple of their leaders. That's the way you start. In their country? If they're in their country or you do like Soleimani when they left the country. Well, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big swath of choice there. Uh, One choice gets you into World War III the other choice sends a very distinctive message. And you go inside a country, a sovereign nation, and you, and you start taking out its leaders. That's, that's a war. You're involved in a war. When you're chasing down terrorist elements who are running around certain parts of the world the way Trump did, that's not starting a war. So Nikki Haley doesn't seem to have any kind of sense of knowledge about really what she would do in a situation like this, except for create more war, which is certainly disturbing on on any level. But when when you're running for president and you're out there and and you're basically – not even solidifying your position on this, and it goes from oh well, well, you know, like Brian Kilmeade is the one guiding her foreign policy. Oh, so you so you'd go into the country and huh? a couple you, of their leaders. That's the way in you their start. country. In their if they're in their country, or you do like Soleimani when they left the country. You figure out where they are. Our special. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at the prompting of a of a news anchor, a morning news anchor. Nikki Haley said, yeah, yeah, well, okay, well, you can go in, into their country or, you know, she has no grounding in terms of her position there. And I'm, I'm telling you, on both ends, whether it be the Biden administration end and this person who thinks she's going to be president someday and, uh, man, we, we, we need some, we desperately need some real grownups uh, in our midst uh, to, to give us some comfort, because right now it's all over the map. And right now we know, though, 
how we felt when Trump was president, and we felt felt that he had everything in control. And and right now, whether it be on the Republican end of people who are vying for a commander in chief position like Nikki Haley, or the current people who are in office right now, it's nothing but chaos and spinning into the wind the way Nikki Haley is doing. Yeah, whatever you think, Brian Kilmeade. We'll do whatever you think is good. And Anthony Blinken saying, hey, congratulations, Mooj. You just made the Middle East more volatile since uh, vintage 1973. What a great year that was. It's pretty crazy. Your phone calls are welcome, too. Happy, happy Wednesday morning. 314-566-6104. Good morning, everybody, and happy Wednesday to all of you. It's all in the morning, and it's Common Sense Radio. So we've got a situation where it's not only with Iran and the Middle East that it is obviously chaotic and problematic, but now we also have the border, and we seem to have a purposeful effort on the part of the Biden administration just to simply act like they're doing something about it but really not doing anything about it and really creating a chaotic atmosphere around the discussion of it. And one of the great examples uh, came actually yesterday morning where uh, Joe Biden was out there uh, in in front of Marine One, and and you all know this is this has happened before, where President Trump would be uh, standing outside. It would be kind of like um, maybe on the sidewalk before you start crossing the grass uh, to Marine One. Joe Biden has taken along the tactic, and and I, and I get I guarantee you. This is on purpose. Uh, there's there's no reason on earth to hold impromptu news conferences right under rotating helicopter blades. There just really isn't. But it's convenient when you have to have subtitles under you or... You don't have a clear message and everything else. You can just act like there's just all this noise. It's, and it turns out it's, some of it's unusable sound unless it's subtitled. And I mean, you, you get the drift here. This is how it works. And there, there's no reason to have this atmosphere unless you want to create a sense of chaos, unless you want to kind of hide behind the noise. If if you don't get a question that you want, you can act like you can't hear because that sound is, is deafening. There really is no reason. All to I do can this. do is give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got it off. Give me the border patrol. Give me the people, give me the people, the judges. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work less. And he walks away. Now, uh, I was really thankful, because I, I sometimes tease Dana Perino, but I, w- I was really pretty thankful that uh, Dana Perino picked up on 
this maneuver on the part of Biden and the, and his communications team. I, I'm I'm and she did, and she finally said, you know, this is. I, I've I've been there, done that. I I've, I've been around the block, uh, but but this is ridiculous. That's terrible to me. That's, that's terrible. If, if they at the White House Communications Office want him to make news and want him to take questions, do it in a way where the American people, our allies and our adversaries can hear him clearly. And then you won't get all the questions as to his mental capacities because you could actually hear him if he's being coherent. I'm just I'm, I find it professionally insulting as somebody who used to work there that they think that this is good enough for the president to just to take a question like that when you can't actually hear him above the rotating blades. The other day, he was at the Nowhere Coffee Company. He answers a very important question about troops that have just been killed. It's not good enough. Yeah. Uh, but 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 in in that end, that's that's exactly what their purpose is. Uh, they really they really don't want you to hear what they have to say. They want to create chaos. They want to create doubt. When you when you don't have things in control, that's kind of what you do is you're like, wait, what? I can't hear what I don't know what I don't know. It, it, it's that kind of thing. And it's exceedingly frustrating, but it, 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 it borders on a, a level of gaslighting where you're just kind of like, I don't know. I can't hear I can't hear you. Sorry. But, and, and to her point where you have Dana Perino talking about, how even when he's talking about dead soldiers uh, and dead American heroes, he's doing it like in the in the middle of some diner. It's it's really just uh, not not a way to communicate. And uh, for Dana Perino to finally call that out. Now, normally she's a little more demure and, and doesn't necessarily. Uh, you know, is it is it very critical sometimes, frustratingly so? Uh, but for her to come out and say, "Wow, this is this is really bad," is really quite a uh, quite a development. So we've got our friends, uh, our trucker friends, and all the others heading to the border uh, as of today. You heard Joe Adams yesterday uh, talking about this. And if if you missed it, I, I believe it's still up there on the on the podcast. Everything else uh, at the uh, All in the Morning homepage there, and, and you can listen to what he was saying about really what's at stake here and what's going on. But it's going to be quite an eventful weekend. And the one thing that he did point out regarding the border is that they're all just hoping this isn't another one of those. Uh, January 6th's, uh, where somebody is going to purposely start something and it's going to be a a, a problem. It's, it's going to be another one of those where there's agitation that is purposeful and where you're going to have uh, people purposely starting something. Uh, it's this, the stage is set. For that, so uh, keep your eye on what's going on. Keep your eye on how the news media reports on this as we get towards the end of the week, 
Uh, we do have a situation where I remember uh, before January 6th that the news media, a couple of the choice members of the media were warning, getting, we, we hear there's going to be violence. We, we, we hear that we hear there's going to be issues. And I'm thinking, well, how do they know that? Or how do, how do they know that? And, and I, I'll never forget, it was an NBC News report. And I was thinking, like, wow, they, they must have some real inside scoop. Either that or the people who are warning about the problems are the ones who are going to be creating them. Wow, that stuff is very haunting to me now. When I look back in history... And to that time. So just praying for our friends in Texas. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Good morning, everybody. And with that said, of course, it just gets better every time this time rolls around on this day for... Here comes... I know to you, I may look old. Hope this statement ain't too bold, but here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Josh hello, my friend. How are you? I'm well, Jamie. Good morning. How are you, my dear friend? Uh, great. I, I uh, am so glad to talk to you, and I, I will have to tell you, uh, it's it, 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 real quickly... You know these guys. Uh, I, the 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 way that the news media picks on the Catholic Church uh, is so crazy. There's a story here in St. Louis about how uh, the archdiocese has been slow to be transparent about uh, its ownership of slaves back in the day. It's like, uh, uh, like what what is the point here? You know, mm. I'm not I'm not an advocate of slavery, obviously, but I mean right. at this point, it's like. Why do they keep doing this? It's crazy. Well, it's the last, I forget who said this, but it's the last acceptable prejudice in America is to be prejudiced against Catholicism. So oh, yeah. they will, from time to time, dig up uh, something uh, like this. So they want the present uh, Archbishop of St. Louis to reveal exactly the complicity in slavery of his predecessor by 25 <laughs> yeah yeah i know well uh you know, actually uh, and, and and by the way folks you're listening to two people who uh are never going to pay reparations because uh our families never had slaves so there you go on my dad's side oh. they they didn't have enough money to have slaves coming in from england uh, all through new orleans and my mom's side they were mennonites who came over in the 1600s and they weren't going to be doing any of that and you're judge napolitano what about that well, name? My... don't you all get Grandparents came over as uh, dirt poor uh, babies uh, in the late 1890s. Yeah. So, so there we we're off the hook. Hey, all right, Judge. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, on the hook at this point, so how much will Donald Trump be on the hook for this $83 million jury verdict from this woman who? I think is crazy, but oh well. She does. She does give off vibes as if she's a lunatic. Uh, it's a long and complicated story, but reduced to its essence, the eighty-three million consists of. Um, I'm rounding off the numbers: five or six million for one defamatory statement, uh, eleven or twelve million for another 
defamatory statement and 65 million in punitive damages. Now, the juries can't just pull these numbers out of thin air. The plaintiff demonstrated to the satisfaction uh, of the jury, apparently, uh, that she actually lost or will continue to lose income and wealth as a result of what Donald Trump said about her for these two defamatory statements. The $65 million is punitive. That's based on what the jury was told was Trump's uh, acknowledged personal wealth and what they thought it would, um, it would take to punish him uh, because of his, again, this is the jury's view, not mine, <clears throat> his persistent uh, defamation. What the defamation consists of. Well, he said things like, I never heard of her. She's ugly. She's not my type. She's a liar. She's a jerk. She's a dope. She's looking for free money. She's a freeloader. The type of things you would say if somebody sued you for something you believe you didn't do and you don't even know who the person is. But the court found that those statements were defamatory as a matter of law. So the issue of did he defame her was not before the jury. The only issue that was before the jury was what does he owe her for the defamation? Now, in my view, that's wrong, but that's the way uh, the court ruled. This may very well be rectified by an appellate court. But back to your original question, will she ever see the money? The feds are uh, very difficult uh, in a situation like this, by which I mean he has to deposit $83 million in the court's bank account or he has to provide an insurance policy uh, which guarantees that payment. And in order to do that, he'd have to, he'd have to pledge assets uh, so that the court could trigger the payment under the policy uh, if he loses the appeal. If he doesn't do either, he can't even appeal. Then she can begin levying, levying on his assets. Man, this is the last thing he needs while running for president. Well, so I want to ask, ask you this regarding the defamation. So how is it possible, like like if the New York Times or ABC News called her a whack job or did something like that, how is it possible that the news media is more protected when it comes to free speech than an individual citizen? I don't really get that. Well, the news media, and that includes you and me, can quote what someone said without being uh, charged with defamation. So we can repeat what Donald Trump said uh, in order to uh, tell the public what's going on here. If, if that were not the case, there would be no news media would be afraid to talk if we could be uh, sued every time we quoted a statement that was allegedly defamatory. Uh, Donald Trump says Joe Biden is stupid. Biden's obviously not going to sue us for saying it. He can't even sue Trump because it's it's politics and it's an opinion. I happen to think that what Trump said about E. Jean Carroll was an opinion and therefore was protected speech. Uh, the court didn't uh, feel that way. The jury didn't feel that way. Well, it appears also that she technically became a public figure as an outgrowth of the case itself. And yes. President Trump's statements, statements came uh, after uh, the court case itself. So uh, at that point, she was thrust into the uh, realm of a public figure, as far as I'm concerned. But obviously, the, the jury didn't think that way. Well, no, the jury did think that way. The jury found 
uh, that she was able to show that Trump spoke with actual malice, meaning with knowledge of falsity or with reckless disregard for the truth. She is clearly a, uh, a public figure. It's, it's a very low bar to be a public figure. If you're the center of a public controversy, whether you voluntarily enter that controversy or not, uh, you are a limited purpose public figure, a public figure for the sake of that controversy. Uh, she is a voluntary public figure because she entered uh, the uh, controversy by suing him. I mean, all this began when the New York uh, state legislature changed the law to allow uh, adult survivors of sexual assault uh, to to sue irrespective of the statute of limitations. She decides to sue him for something she says happened uh, 40 years ago. Excuse me, 30 years ago. Uh, and he responds by saying, I never heard of this woman. It didn't happen. They show him a picture of her and, she, and he goes, well, she's ugly. She's not even my type. She's not even the type of person I'd have the slightest interest in. That's the origin. That's the genesis of, uh, of this case. At that point, she is uh, a public figure. Then there are further defamatory uh, comments that he made about her after he left the White House. One of the reasons this case uh, was held up in the trial is because Trump argued that he was immune from um, uh, litigation while he was in the White House. And it took the appellate court three years to say he's not going back to Clinton versus Jones. When Paula Jones sued Bill Clinton and the Supreme Court said she can sue him, even though he's in uh, the White House. But it took the courts three years to get to that point. Once they did, then both cases went forward. He lost both cases. He lost the alleged rape case in which the jury found that he did not rape her in a Bergdorf Goodman um, dressing room uh, in the early 90s, but he did sexually assault her. I'm not going to get into the difference between the two because it, it's a breakfast time. Um and the jury awarded her $5 million for that uh, sexual uh, assault. Then the court ruled uh, on uh, immunity, that he didn't have it. Then he defamed her again. So there were two allegations of defamation, the one while he was in the White House and the one after he left the White House. Both were tried and on both the jury ruled last week, the jury awarded $5 million on one and $11 million on the other. Well, it seems to me that malice is subjective itself. But anyway, I, I wanted to ask you, too, about the Supreme Court decision over the razor wire in the state of Texas and beyond. Amy Coney Barrett and Justice Roberts siding with liberals, uh, if you want to put it that way. Uh, confusing case, um, surprising since you'd expect the Supreme Court to stand up for states' rights, but apparently that wasn't what this only boiled down to, correct? Correct. Um, this is a, an area of the law that the feds have taken over, contrary to the Constitution. The Constitution, which is still the supreme law of the land, hard to believe, but it is, says that naturalization who becomes a citizen is up to the feds. Immigration, who enters the country, is up to the states. 
1886, the Supreme Court, without any authority and without any um, uh, a precedent, said, oh, the feds ought to be able to control this area no matter what the Constitution says. And since then, the feds have been acting, enacting legislation to dominate the uh, area of immigration. Well, the Constitution requires the federal government to protect the states from invasions, and Governor Abbott has taken the position that this is an invasion. It's not with arms, but it's with all kinds of things that can diminish the quality of life uh, in the state. So Texas enacts a law making it a state crime for an undocumented person to enter the state, and it purports to enforce that law by putting up blockades in the Rio Grande River, uh, which consisted of floated floating buoys. They didn't work, so they put uh, barbed wire. Uh, and other types of instruments in the river that would harm you if you attempted to cross it. The feds came down there and said, we're going to remove this. Uh, The states said, don't go near it. The feds backed off. The feds sued and asked for emergency relief. And the Supreme Court granted the emergency relief five to four. You're quite correct. Just Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Barrett siding with the more liberal members of the court. There's no written opinion on this. This is not an opinion on the merits. This is just a procedural uh, opinion as to who controls the border while the case is being tried. Uh, I profoundly disagree with what the uh, Supreme Court did, both in 1886 when it said, oh, of course the feds can control immigration, even though the Constitution says the opposite. And I profoundly disagree with what the Supreme Court just did. However, the Supreme Court has a history of allowing Congress to uh, regulate uh, the border. And Congress gave the president way too much leeway as to what to do uh, at the border. And Joe Biden is exercising that leeway in a manner uh, offensive to uh, at least Republicans in the Congress. And now they're stuck with it. Uh, one of the things that Biden can't do that he wants to do, which would actually please conservatives, is to turn away bona fide asylum seekers. So right now, if you're an asylum seeker uh, defined as a person who's uh, who's the victim of repression uh, in the country you're coming from, not economic repression, but cultural repression, social repression, political repression, sexual repression, because you're LGBTQ, for example, Uh, you're a legitimate asylum seeker and the government cannot turn you away. Joe Biden, to his credit, wants the power to turn those people away. That's what the Senate is negotiating as we speak. Yeah, that that is independent of this barbed wire uh, issue. Uh, The barbed wire issue shows that... um, no matter who you appoint to the Supreme Court, they're not always going to do what you expect them to do, Donald. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's inter- interesting. Amy Coney Barrett is an interesting specimen. And all I could think of is going back to COVID when she sided with the state of California. I believe it was the state of California. Maybe it was a municipality uh, that was barring people singing in church, uh, barring uh, choral uh, choirs. Uh, singing in church, and she supported that, which is really odd to me. Uh, I I don't remember exactly what her position was on it or how how she worded it, but that was when I was thinking, hmm, what is up with her? 
Well, what what is up with their understanding of the the Constitution? I mean, singing in church uh, implicates a number of fundamental liberties: freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of association. I mean, nobody was forced to be in that church. If you think that out of the mouths of the choir is going to come some uh, uh, contagion, well, then don't go to that church or don't go to that mass. Uh, but to bar them. Uh, but to allow the state to interfere with the free exercise of their religion, freedom of association, and as I said, freedom of speech is just reprehensible. Yeah, I just it it, it kind of surprised me. Roberts has always been, I don't know, uh, I, I thought I thought he was an originalist. I thought that was one of the things that that he bragged about, or people who loved him bragged about him before that he was an originalist. But he doesn't seem to be. You know what he is? He's a he's um a consensus builder. Uh, he's not a, a shaker like uh, Scalia was, a shaker of the system, or Justice Gorsuch, Justice Scalia's, who has the chair Justice Scalia had, um, uh, is. He's much more uh, of a consensus builder. Remember, Obamacare was originally going to be found unconstitutional five to four, and the last minute the Chief Justice changed his vote uh, because he saw a poll, this is um, uh, 2012, showing that Mitt Romney was going to defeat Barack Obama, and he figured, oh, okay, Obamacare is unconstitutional. Let let the new president and the new Senate undo it. Man, if you have an attitude like that, you should be in politics rather than on the court. Uh, it, it's unconstitutional no matter what the polls say and no matter who's going to be elected uh, president. How do I know this? Somebody no longer living who was on the court told me. Oh, really? <laughs> you can figure out who that was. Yeah, I, absolutely. That is crazy. Well, I still love the fact that we could. Uh, st- I, I still am fascinated by. I am so glad that we were able to hear, for instance, uh, the arguments and 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 that they're mic'd up, which is, I think, a great. Uh, improvement upon our access to the Supreme Court and its inner workings. Well, outer the, workings for that matter. The, the judiciary is the least understood branch of the government and uh, the most secretive. There are a lot of judges all across the spectrum, from libertarian to conservative to moderate to liberal to progressive, all across the spectrum that want to uh, maintain that secrecy. I'm as usual, an outlier. Uh, I'm of the view that the judiciary, just like the other two branches of government, should be transparent. The people should know what's uh, what's going on. Uh, that's why we had these horrible uh, uh, pictures of Trump and E. Jean Carroll uh, in the courtroom because cameras are not permitted. The pictures made everybody look ugly. I don't yeah. know what was of the artist so he or she just made everybody look ugly i mean they made trump's shoulders look massive but his face looked diabolic <laughs> the, the, the dr seuss illustrator or something doing that yes. all right well judge i was curious about too i mean everything going on and and what's happening with the middle east and the focus not only on the border but also the middle east i'm wondering what Zelensky is thinking and how he manages to try to still get the attention of Washington? Because uh, I think it's starting to wane a tad, don't you? Oh, he's really on his last legs. His um, uh, commander-in-chief of the military, General Zaluzhny, 
said the only way we can uh, repel the Russians is another 500,000 men. Another 500,000 men. Jamie, they lost 500,000 men. 500,000 young men dead. They lost 10 million in their population, and the American aid is about to dry up. So they are really on their last leg. Uh, I'm not a fan of Kissinger, but remember that one liner. It is dangerous to be America's enemy. It is fatal to be America's friend. Fatal oh, yeah. to be America's friend. Zelensky relied on what Joe Biden and Boris Yeltsin, not Yeltsin, forgive me, he's gone, Boris Johnson, the prime minister of Great Britain, told him, don't sign a peace agreement with, uh, with Putin. He's not trustworthy. We'll give you all the uh, ammunition and all the weaponry you need. Don't worry, we got your back. Well, that's dried up. Ukraine is on uh, its last leg. Uh, the four provinces of eastern Ukraine, which Russia claims have been Russian <clears throat> since 1730, uh, are safely under the control uh, of uh, of Russia. I say safely because even though they, in, in Zelensky's mind, were part of Ukraine, he was bombing them, bombing parts of his own country in order to suppress pro-Russian activity there. The uh, bottom line is Putin has waged a surgical war in two years has killed fewer civilians than Netanyahu has killed in three months um, and is slowly and inexorably reaching that line which he set out uh, to reach. It's time for them to negotiate uh, peace, and it won't be the settlement that they had in, in April of 22 when uh, Boris Johnson said, don't sign this thing, we have your back. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, what is uh, going to be on Judging Freedom today, then? Something about this or other things? Oh, yes. Yes, I have uh, my three military uh, people. Let me give you the, the times. These are Eastern times. At 2 o'clock, Matt Ho, a former Marine and former uh, State Department. At 3 o'clock, Karen Kwiatkowski, Lieutenant Colonel uh, in the Air Force. These are regulars. And at 4 o'clock, uh, 4.30, 4.30 Eastern, one of our superstars, uh, Scott Ritter, what is Russia's involvement in the now expanding war in the Middle East? Lindsey Graham, you want us to attack Tehran. What about the mutual defense pact that Tehran and Moscow have with each other? Mm. That's where we're going with Scott Ritter. Maybe that's where Lindsey Graham wants to go. You know what I mean? Thought maybe he, he, he knows to, that. Uh, he has come to uh, personify uh, the attitude of he never met somebody else's blood that he didn't want to spill. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, we'll be there, uh, judgingfreedom.com. You guys can uh, sign on, subscribe, and you'll get notified every time uh, the brilliance of this man comes along. I have one quick question for you, and then we got to go, I know. Uh, who is your fa what is your favorite uh, gospel? What is your favorite gospel writer? Uh, I suppose John, the non-synoptic, uh, St. John, the non-synoptic one, because every time I I read the Gospel of St. John, I see something else I didn't see the hundreds of times uh, I've already uh, I've already read it. Interesting. I'll have to I'll have to look look back on that. I would I would think uh, I I agree with that. I think we're we're in the Mark phase now, and I've taken kind of a curiosity towards uh, Mark's. Gospels, which I find fascinating, and actually I like them because they they are starting to uh, they they actually portray Jesus as a pretty 
uh, a pretty, uh, let's say, put it this way, assertive human being. Let's put it that yes. way. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so. This, when this morning's gospel, he's walking through a crowd, and there's a lady who has a hemorrhage, and she whispers to somebody next to her, "If I can just touch his cloak, I'll be healed." She touches his cloak, and he turns around and he goes, "Who touched my cloak?" <laughs> and the apostles go. What are you crazy? There's a thousand people here. You're asking who touched your cloak? And he said, Whoever touched my cloak has great faith. She's now healed. And then this lady comes up and says, It was me. I'm so sorry. He said, No, don't be sorry. Your faith has saved you. Yeah. Next time you're going to touch me, lady, let me know ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I've added that part. That, that line is not in there. <laughs> yeah, because the one from Sunday was the, the guy, and he was he was at the temple, and some dude started piping up. And Jesus basically told him to shut, you know, it's like, hey, right. zip it, guy, just for a second here. And they're like, wow, that guy, and he zipped it. It was great. Right. Anyway, that's right. a long story, uh, a short, long, short version of a long story. All right, my friend, I appreciate you as always. Uh, great talking to you, Judge Napolitano. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, back at you, Jamie. All the best. All right, my friend, that is Judge Andrew Napolitano. Talking about that kind of stuff. It's fun, yo. All right, 314-556-6104. It's Common Sense Radio, people. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.